0: At information at C-U-E-A-N-D-R-E-V-I-E-W dot com. Please like and share our podcast and give us any constructive feedback.
1: Evening Times Sport, March 1. Innovation in golf is fine, so long as it is a golden carrot, says Nick Roger. Things have been getting fairly heated in the world of golf lately. So heated, in fact, you could probably brown a piece of bread on a toasting fork, simply by holding it close to Greg Norman's strongly worded letter to the PGA Tour. Some of you, perhaps all of you, are no doubt sick to the back teeth of reading about Norman, the proposed Saudi Super League Phil Mickelson and the general hoopla and hoo-ha that's consuming the royal and ancient game these days. Indeed, the mere sight of the words multi-million dollar breakaway circuit probably now gives you the kind of shuddering grimace a toddler would deliver when force-fed a spoonful of cod liver oil. As for the golf writers, well, it keeps the cogs of our industry clanking along as we thrash away at the laptop keys like little Richard in the merry midst of a piano pounding frenzy. Norman's confrontational rabble rousing epistle to PGA Tour Supremo J. Monaghan the other day in which he accused the top brass of bullying and threatening those players who were tempted by the suggestive Saudi eyelash fluttering while declaring this is not the end was another lively twist in the ongoing saga. It followed hard on the heels of Mickelson's explosive and well-documented Saudi comments and subsequent mea culpa which created so much seismic activity. It just about cracked the plaster on the walls of the National Earthquake Information Centre. That crashing noise you hear in the background, meanwhile, is the sound of poor old Phil's lucrative endorsement deals literally falling off his cap and polo shirt and hitting the ground with a thud as his major sponsors disown him. It's been quite the week. With plenty happening in the upper echelons, One of the observations you hear a lot is that golf at the top end of the professional circus needs to change. A number of observers suggest the established tours are archaic business models that don't showcase the most exciting version of the pro game. It needs to be faster and more engaging as a spectacle. The idea then of a super league with team elements flung into the mix is, despite the moral misgivings about the source of the money, an alluring concept for many. As it stands, golf essentially takes the same product around the globe, week in, week out. Outside of say the majors or a Ryder Cup, there can be a distinct lack of prominence and sense of occasion. A couple of weeks ago, Lee Westwood, one of a number of golfers who signed a non-disclosure agreement about the Super League and is clearly tempted by the prospect of unbridled riches, suggested that golf has to move with the times and become more heat of the moment, volatile and impactful from the word go and a team aspect gives you that. He bemoaned the staple diet of 72-hole stroke play and championed the cut and thrust of match play. These, of course, are long-standing areas of debate, and it got me thinking, not very deeply, but thinking nevertheless, about golfing innovation in recent years. On the European Tour, now rebranded as the DP World Tour, There was a brief flurry of invention with events like the golf sixes, a rapid fire team shootout over half a dozen holes and the shot clock masters, during which players got a limited time to hit their ball and were followed around the course by a countdown style tick-talking device on a buggy. You could say they were admirable efforts to move with the times and do something a bit different, but they have unfortunately withered on the vine. There is a tendency within golf for people to groan and grouse that the game is too stuck in its ways, but then continue to groan and grouse with sneering indifference when a tournament with some forward thinking and a willingness to experiment comes along. The reality for events like golf sixes or the short clock masters, of course, is that their success is defined by the players who are competing in them. Oh, and that small matter of money. Without box office names and big checks, outside the box thinking tends to get, well, put back in the box. Such contests are ultimately viewed as gimmicks, not goers. Let's face it, Westwood would never have entertained the idea of doubling up with a fellow Englishman in something like a golf sixes, which by its short form nature was impactful from the word goal. But a super league, the idea of golfing innovation is fine. As long as there's a golden carrot being dangled on a stick. And another thing. All this ongoing chatter about closed shop super leagues for the rich elite may be the talk of the golfing steamy, but events on the PGA Tour on Sunday showed that variety can still be the spice of life. Sepp Straka started 20,022 at number th- 213 on the world rankings and was 176 going into last week's Honda Classic. By the end of a final round of fluctuating fortunes, those in the mix, the Austrian ended up winning his first PGA title tour by a shot from Shane Lowry. The only thing predictable in this game is its unpredictability and that remains one of golf's wonderful strengths, says Nick Roger. Evening Times Sport March 1. Postecoglou's man management and ice cool air are underpinning Celtics title tilt. Report by Matthew Lindsay. Ange Postecoglou might have felt that Hibernian had parked the bus in the cinch Premiership game at Easter Road on Sunday but there was never any prospect of him throwing his Celtic players under one afterwards. Fans of the Parkhead club may have been incensed by the top-flight leader's toothless performance in the goalless draw in Leith, a disappointing result that handed Rangers the chance to move to within a point of them in the league table. But Posticoglu was always going to keep his cool. So much has been spoken and written about the expansive style of play, which the Greek Australian coach has introduced since arriving in Scotland back in June. And Angie Ball has, with its patient build up play from the back, inverted full backs, relentless pressing high up the pitch, extended periods of ball retention and emphasis on attack certainly been fascinating and enjoyable to watch. But the Celtic manager's masterful man management and the icy demeanor off the park have been just as important to the Glasgow Giants domestic resurgence in the 2021-22 campaign as his revolutionary tactics on it and will be invaluable during what promises to be a tense run in. Callum McGregor and his teammates lifted the Premier Sports Cup back in December, are in first place in the Premiership as well as the quarterfinals of the Scottish Cup and are bidding to complete their fifth domestic treble in six years. However, they have suffered many disappointments and encountered several bumps in the road during the past seven months. At no stage has Postecoglou absolved himself of blame or publicly castigated his players following them. Quite the opposite, in fact, has been the case. Nor has the 56 year old who has won leagues in Australia and Japan during his 28 year career on the training field and in the dugout been adversely affected by the criticism and outcry which have followed draws and defeats. When Celtic failed to convert any of the scoring chances they created and lost one nothing to Rangers at Ibrox in August, he immediately accepted full responsibility for their shortcomings in the final third. He had played Kaiogo Furuhashi on the left of the front three in the absence of James Forrest and only moved him through the middle where he made far more of an impact midway through the second half. He said, I should have started him there to begin with. When Celtic were beaten 1-0 by Livingston on the artificial pitch at the Tony Macaroni Stadium back in September, he was scathing about their efforts in defence and attack But he added, that falls on me to get it right. When Celtic were held to a 1-1 draw at home by Dundee United the following week and found themselves six points adrift of the defending champions in the table, he once again accepted culpability. The result is on me, he said. Instead of bemoaning Lil Abada and Yota for their missed opportunities, he lauded them. They were unbelievable, he said. I thought they were both outstanding. I couldn't praise them highly enough for their efforts. Is it any surprise that both men have since flourished with that sort of support? Posticoglu embarked on a major rebuilding job in the summer. Some of his signings made an immediate impression. Others have taken time to settle, but those who cost six figure sums have all come good and established themselves in the first team. Knowing their manager was in their corner, regardless of the outcome at the final whistle has allowed them to make mistakes, recover, improve and prosper. Many talented, expensive and experienced internationalists have arrived in the East End of Glasgow over the years and proved unable to cope with the scrutiny of playing for a club that is expected to win every game. But Abada, Cameron Carter Rickers, Kyogo Furuhashi, Georgias Marquez, Joe Hart, Rio Hatati, Josip Juranovic and Yota have simply gone from strength to strength. So it was no great surprise when Postecoglou launched a robust defence of his Celtic side, following their stalemate with Hibs at the weekend. Privately, he may well have been unhappy with both the quality and number of opportunities the visitors had carved out and with their failure to score. But if he was, then he kept his own counsel. He said, we dominated the game. We played it on our terms, but obviously we didn't get our rewards and didn't get the goal we needed. But in terms of the performance, I thought the players at a difficult venue on a difficult pitch with the opposition sitting deep for the most part were good. Why exacerbate a setback by further inflaming the situation? As it turned out, Rangers let a two-goal lead against Motherwell slip, were held to a 2-2 draw and remained three adrift. The late, great Walter Smith appreciated the intense pressure that footballers at Rangers were under and endeavoured to keep the atmosphere in training and on match days, light hearted and fun. His thinking was that they were under enough pressure from supporters and the media as it was. His policy served him well over the years. That is a trait which Posticoglu shares. He certainly diffused the growing concerns surrounding his new look sides concerning run of form after the United result in September with a little Antipodean humor. He said, it's a weird league. You call things early here, don't you? It's quite remarkable that seven games in people are calling the title already. I know people are wanting to push me on some kind of edge of the ledge somewhere. It's just not going to happen. I don't worry about those things. He played it down the Hibbs result on Sunday too. Asked by one reporter if he thought his men had lacked spark after he had repeatedly expressed his happiness at how they had acquitted themselves, he tapped his microphone and asked, is this working? Where were you sitting? Many individuals who have managed Celtic and Rangers have been unable to cope with the -the over-the-top reaction to drop points or losses, not Postacoglu he takes it all in his stride. The Scottish title race has ten games left to run and is set to heat up considerably in the coming weeks. Ange Posticoglu will remain unruffled, upbeat, and firmly behind his Celtic players, whatever happens, says Matthew Lindsay. Evening Time Sport, March 1. Scotland and Hibbs shock as Easter Road star Kevin Nisbet's season could be over. Report by Ewan Payton. Hibbs star Kevin Nisbet's season could be over. The Easter Road club are awaiting the results of a scan on the striker's knee after sustaining a serious looking injury against Celtic on Sunday. The Scotland attacker limped off the field in the goalless draw with Celtic. He went down under the challenge of Carol Starfelt during the first half, as Christian Doidge replaced the 24-year-old. There are said to be fears that he suffered knee ligament damage, and the Scottish sons say he could face months on the treatment table, which would end his season. The Edinburgh club are waiting to discover the extent of the damage. Sean Maloney admitted on Sunday, it doesn't look too promising for Kevin, it's his left knee. It wasn't the worst tackle ever, but when you try and stop a counter attack like that, it's not great. With these things, you have to wait for the scans, but it doesn't look too great at the moment. Nisbet left Easter Road on crutches, and in a knee brace. Report by Ewan Peyton. Evening Times Sport, March 2. Chris Jack says, pounds, pride and positions on the line if Rangers blow title defence. The league table offers hope for Rangers. The form guide suggests it could be misplaced as the Premiership title race enters its final stages. A three point deficit to Celtic is far from insurmountable, especially with two old firm fixtures left to be played. And it is unlikely that Sunday's topsy-turvy events will be the final twists in what has been a compelling campaign. The fact that it is as close going into the final few weeks is great for business. For papers, broadcasters and the SPFL, a proper high stakes down to the wire fight is the dream scenario after so many one sided triumphs, even ones with great back stories in recent years. Whatever way it goes, whatever color of ribbons are tied to the trophy come May, the final handful of fixtures offer genuine excitement and drama, which is added to by the knowledge of the long term financial ramifications of success and failure. But Rangers should never have found themselves in this position. If the champions do not defend their title, it will be a monumental failure both on and off the park for the first time in a long time. Rangers were operating from a position of strength and solidity last summer after clinching their first league flag in a decade. Title 55 was emotional and cherished, but it should have marked the beginning of a new era as well as the end of an old one at Ibrox. It offered Rangers an opportunity they have failed to grasp. Everything was stacked in their favour. Now somehow, the odds are no better than fifty to fifty on whether they defend their title and bank the Champions League bounty that has been worked towards for so long and already missed out on at once. Celtic has seen their ten in a row dreams end in a nightmare. Neil Lennon was sacked as manager. Peter Lowell stepped down as chief executive and supporters had taken to the car park to demand a boardroom change, as well as an overhaul of the football structure. A lengthy pursuit of Eddie Howe was ultimately pointless, while Dominic Mackay's tenure was short-lived and Celtic were playing catch up from the off this term. Ange Postecoglou had to revamp and rebuild the squad he inherited, as stalwarts of previous successes were sold off and untried signings made. Quite simply, Celtic should have been nowhere near Rangers this season, but it is they who are now Champions-elect, they who lead the way going into the final 10 games. Post-performance levels may have varied in recent weeks, but the run of results speaks for itself and Posticoglo's side deserve due praise for the manner in which they have put together a sequence that has turned them from hopeful challengers into potential champions. Even when Celtic stumbled on Sunday, it didn't cost them. That is just how it is going at Parkhead right now. And those of a green and white persuasion can perhaps feel that this year might be their year after all. If it is, if that is how it turns out this term, then what an embarrassing fall from grace it will have been for Rangers. The champions must now stand up and be counted, must show what they are made of. The ruthless, relentless approach of last season The swagger and the dominance has gone, and Rangers have been masters of their own slide since last summer. Serious questions must be asked over the recruitment going back to last January. Rangers have stood still and arguably gone backwards. A squad that achieved its goal, that climbed its Everest, has never looked like being able to go again. Winning one title, even one as significant as 55 is not enough and great Rangers sides are the ones who succeed time and again. The champions have almost stumbled their way through this season and there has been no rhythm, no real momentum as opportunities have been missed along the way. Now there is no margin for error left. As Stephen Gerrard became disillusioned with life at Ibrox and key relationships disintegrated, Rangers' campaign faltered. The arrival of Giovanni Van Brokers provided only brief optimism. From a solid lead heading into the winter break, Rangers now trail and the points dropped to Aberdeen, Ross County, Dundee United and Motherwell, as well as the humiliating old firm defeat at Parkhead leave the champions on the back foot. Yes, the gap is only three points. Yes, Van Bronckhorst's side may still come out on top. Yes, if Rangers do win the league, then it will be deservedly so. But that doesn't mean that the criticisms and concerns about where they are right now are not valid. It would have seemed almost inconceivable at the start of the season that the champions could find themselves in this position, and that the margins could be so nail-bitingly tight. Van Bronckhorst and Captain James Tavernier dismissed questions over the mentality of the squad in the aftermath of the draw with Motherwell, and pointed out that there were no such queries following the memorable and remarkable nights against Borussia Dortmund. Those fixtures are the exception rather than the rule. However, the performances and the results can never be dismissed given how impressive they were, but they will count for nothing if Rangers are left empty handed in the Premiership. It takes a certain mindset to be able to overcome such a talented opponent. But the one that sees teams notch up win after win after win is very different and that drive just hasn't been there from Rangers this term. The squad should have been freshened up to give a new impetus last summer and the signings in January have done nothing to help the cause as the reality has proven to be very different from the hype. It would be quite the collapse if Rangers were to go from such a high to such a low within the space of 12 months, and the loss of the title would be damaging on and off the park. Knowing that it was their own fault would hurt even more. Pounds, pride and positions are on the line at Ibrox, says Chris Jack. Evening times sport. March 2. PGA Teacher of the Year, Craig Miller, Helping Shape Golf, German Wonder Kid. Report by Nick Roger. Readers of a certain vintage may recall the scenes of unbridled jubilation that was sparked by a hole in one from Stirling professional Ian Collins during the 1987 Scottish PGA Championship. Collins, of course, had every reason to be utterly cock-a-hoop. His ace won him a Porsche worth £37,000. The eruption of glorious rapture, meanwhile, were captured by the TV cameras and really should be preserved on a commemorative show roll by British Pathy. We used to go up to Eans at Christmas and after a few bottles of wine, the video would be put on of him running up the entire length of the hole and collapsing on the green, chuckled Craig Miller, who served his professional apprenticeship under the genial Collins back in yesterday. 35 years after his old boss got the keys to a Porsche Miller is helping to fine-tune the workings of a special piece of German golf engineering. His nurturing of last season's DP World Tour Rookie of the Year, Matthias Schmidt, has helped 5XL Miller earn the Teacher of the Year Award from the PGA of Germany. Originally from Bunt Island, Miller moved to Bavaria some 25 years ago and has established a flourishing golf school in Herzogenaurach, the town which houses the headquarters of global brands Adidas and Puma. Schmidt is the Scots star pupil and his progress since turning pro last summer has been so rapid those engineers at Porsche may have to pick Miller's brain for tips on acceleration. A winner of two European Amateur Championship crowns, 24-year-old Smith joined the paid ranks after winning the silver medal at last July's Open Championship and earned his full tour card from just seven starts on the main circuit. The work with Matthias has really put me on the radar said the 50-year-old of the mutual benefits of this alliance. Thankfully, I managed to help him get on an upward trend. Getting his tour card from just seven starts is phenomenal. Not many do it that way. He's going to be the next superstar. I'm sure of that. He had a great natural talent when he first came to me and we just tried to do a step-by-step progression. I like my players to give me lots of feedback as opposed to me just saying this is what we are doing. With Matthias there has been a lot of discussion and I add the technical side to the feel he has. It works well as he develops as a player. I'm developing as a coach. Miller did harbour touring ambitions himself and did make it onto the challenge tour but coaching remained his enduring passion. Spells shadowing the renowned American swing guru, Mike Bender, who helped new United States rider cup skipper Zach Johnson to masters and open glory, aided his education and has led to a coaching portfolio that embraces all walks of golfing life. We have all areas covered here. From beginners right through to elite players, Miller added of the Herzogeneros club, which has grown from 300 members to around 1200. For a coach, there's nothing quite like a person coming to you as a blank canvas and for you to develop them, watch them progress, play in tournaments and just enjoy the game. That is one of the best feelings for a coach in any sport. Miller may not have made it to the main tour himself, but seeing Schmidt prosper among the elite provides a great sense of fulfillment. He said, being his coach is the next best thing to playing on the tour. We were in Abu Dhabi recently and Colin Morikawa came up to him at the range and congratulated him on his efforts. Those are nice highlights that stay with you. We're both living the dream. Winning the Teacher of the Year accolade, meanwhile, was the cherry on the cake for Miller. The roll call of winners from the 2021 German golfing campaign also included the indomitable Bernhard Langer, an oldie so golden. He should be housed next to the bullion in the Deutsche Bundesbank. Reflected Miller, Bernhard won the player of the year award and then the final prize of the evening was my one. To follow on from such a great ambassador of German golf was pretty special. This is the biggest award for coaches in the country, voted for by over 2000 members. I'm very proud of that. Report by Nick Roger. Evening Time Sport. March 2. Postecoglou proud to lead Celtic to Australia. Report by Graham McGarry. Proud Angie Postecoglou says he is excited by the prospect of taking his Celtic side to face Rangers in Australia as their city rivals follow them to a friendly tournament taking place down under during the World Cup. The Celtic manager is thrilled he will get the chance to lead his team out in his homeland, hoping that the appearance in Sydney in late November will go some way to repaying the backing he has enjoyed from Celtic supporters in Australia and the Australian football community as a whole since he came to Glasgow. And he thinks that Scottish football should be doing more to sell what is unique about our game to the rest of the world. Said Posty we have been invited to a tournament in Australia, which for selfish reasons is fairly exciting for me. Celtic have been there a couple of times before and it's always been brilliant for the fans down there. We have always had a strong Australian connection within the club, whether that is players who have come through here, but obviously if it does happen for myself, I would take great pride in taking my team back to the land where I grew up. They've kind of followed my journey and been very supportive since I've been out here, but there's always been unbelievable support for this football club. I experienced it playing with guys who had associations here. They have always told me about the strong connections between Celtic and Australia. So for me to go over there as the manager of the club, it's a bit further down the line, so it's not at the forefront of my thinking, but it will be a proud moment if and when it happens. Rangers have now officially confirmed their own involvement in the tournament, with a club source saying they are finalising plans. When asked if all Scottish clubs should be exploring future options to showcase our game far and wide, Posticoglu said, absolutely, no doubt. I don't think people will be surprised, but the club does have such a global reach anyway, For all intents and purposes, if you ask people on that side of the world to name the biggest clubs, Celtic would be amongst them. And they would be amongst the most historic clubs and the ones they feel most connected to. Like I said, because I grew up where I did, there was constant connections with Celtic in Australia. So I always felt it was one of those iconic clubs. Irrespective of us being on the other side of the world, people were definitely aware of it and followed it. I think it's great that the club is looking to those markets now to keep growing the image of the club and connecting with people who are fanatical supporters. You've got to understand that in Australia, they are getting up at 2 a.m. or 3 a.m and going to their local to watch the game. That's real commitment, mate. Most of them are probably going to work the next day too. So they love this football club and it will be great to take them there. Report by Graeme McGarry. Evening Times Sport March 2 Rangers and Celtic set for Sydney Super Cup Showdown. Report by Chris Jack Rangers and Celtic will go head to head down under after signing up for the Sydney Super Cup. Celtic confirmed on Tuesday that boss Ange Posticoglu would return home in November as part of a four-team tournament. The competition, due to start on November 16, will see the old firm meet abroad for the first time and also feature a league sides Sydney FC and Western Sydney. And Western Sydney's Minister for Enterprise Investment and Trade Minister for Tourism and Sport Stuart Ailes is delighted to have the Glasgow Giants signed up. He said Sydney has kicked another goal as Australia's home of football with the world's best clubs coming out to play our hometown heroes in the Sydney Super Cup. What a better way to start than with a historic rivalry like the Celtic vs Rangers Derby. This will be the first time in history. This iconic matchup has been played outside Scotland. So this will be a huge attraction for football fans domestically and abroad. With three big matches played over five nights, visiting football fans will have an opportunity for an extended stay in the Harbour City, enjoying our vast cultural offerings and vibrant hospitality and nightlife in one of the world's great sporting cities. The benefits for our city and state will be huge as we look to bring visitors back to Sydney by creating a regular blockbuster biannual event that will showcase our city, our local teams, and our world-class stadiums to the rest of the world. The New South Wales government is focused on delivering marquee events like the Sydney Super Cup that capture the world's attention, drive the New South Wales visitor economy, and build Sydney's reputation as the major events capital of the Asia-Pacific. Report by Chris Jack Evening Times Sport March 3 Chris Boyd reckons Van Bronckhurst does not trust his squad. Report by Ewan Peyton. Giovanni Van Brockes doesn't fully trust his Rangers squad, and that's the view of former Ibrox hero Chris Boyd. Rangers beat St. Johnson 1-0 last night to remain in the title race with Celtic, with the gap at the summit of the Premiership still just three points. Despite the light blues looking tired, Van Bronckhurst opted against making any substitutes in the narrow win, and that has led Boyd to think there will be big changes coming to the first team in the summer. Boyd told Sky Sports, no, he didn't, and he only made one at the weekend. I don't really think Van Bronckhorst trusts his squad. I think when you look at the European games, and the effort put in during the games against Borussia Dortmund. There wasn't many changes as well. I don't know. You look at Borna Barisic. He plays a lot of games and then he doesn't find himself in. Leon Balogan comes back in. Calvin Bassey goes back there. Glenn Kamara comes back and Ryan Jack comes back in. Stephen Davis, where is he? So there's not really a lot of changes from the manager. You kind of get the feeling that if you want that opportunity, it's not really coming for the Rangers players. I think that the ones who have got the jersey, if they keep performing, there is a reluctance to change it. It maybe tells us there might be an overhaul to come in the summer. I think the last few games have told us he doesn't trust the squad a lot. Report by Ewan Payton, Evening Times Sport, March 3. Posticoglu gives positive Giacomakis update. Report by Graham Magari. Ange Posticoglu says that striker Georgius Giacomakis will be back for the trip to Livingston on Sunday after missing out his side's win over St. Myrne at Celtic Park last night. The forward also missed the goalless draw against Hibbs at Easter Road on Sunday after picking up an illness and despite Posticoglu rating his chances of being involved against the Saints as 50-50 on Tuesday, the Greek forward wasn't able to make the squad. The Celtic manager is delighted to have him back among his options for the visit to the Tony Macaroni Arena, a venue where Celtic have historically struggled and where they suffered their last domestic loss back in September. Said Posticoglu, we'll need to recover from this game and then we'll focus. We've got time to prepare for that. We've got Gio back for the weekend as well which I think will give us some more quality and depth. We'll be ready for it. We know it's a tough challenge, but I don't think any game between now and the end of the season is not going to be a tough challenge. Postecoglou was delighted by the patience shown by his men against St Mirren, despite some anxiety from the stands, as goals from Cameron Carter-Vickers and Callum McGregor eventually broke down a stuffy Saints output. He said, the supporters want us to put the game to bed early, but it's not easy. You can understand that. When you are consistently backing up for games, you're trying to keep the same energy and tempo. Opposition teams are sitting deep. You've just got to stay disciplined and really focused on the type of football we want to play. We know that eventually we can wear teams down. We've just got to be ready for it and I thought we were. Report by James McGarry. Evening Times Sport, March 3. SFA Referee Chief provides update on introduction of VAR. Report by Matthew Lindsay. Crawford Allen, the SFA Head of Referee Operations yesterday dismissed fears that singe premiership clubs will look to introduce a cut price version of VAR when they vote on the new technology later this month. Calls for VAR to be brought into the top flight of the game in this country have reached deafening levels in recent weeks following a series of high profile refereeing controversies. However, many owners of Premiership clubs have grown increasingly concerned about the cost after it was proposed they move from having four fixed cameras at each ground to six manned cameras. It is now anticipated that having VAR will set each club back over £100,000 a year instead of the £60,000 originally quoted last year after it is rolled out next season. Alan, whose Category 1 referees have been undergoing VAR training for the past 18 months in preparation for its introduction, has been in dialogue with the SPFL since last year. He believes it is vital Scottish football invests properly in VAR to avoid falling behind other European nations and is confident they will do so. He said, it is ultimately over to the SPFL clubs to decide which model they want, but I've got quite a degree of comfort about it as we've been engaging with them on an ongoing basis since last summer. We were doing that investing for a year before, internally choosing our technology partner and going through the process of tendering. But the vibes we got last summer was strong enough for us to start this as we had a meeting with the Premiership clubs last September, which was positive. We are confident enough that something will happen, that VAR will come. That's my personal view. They have all these options. We know the one we would like them to look at but it's up to them to decide. But I can absolutely state that we're not going to get a cut price model. We are going to get a VAR that is signed off by FIFA and is approved and is globally recognized as full VAR. That's what we're looking to implement in Scotland. As with any walk of life, there is a balancing act to be had. We have presented all these various options to the SPFL in terms of from the bare minimum, which is four cameras, all the way up to the Champions League, which is 28 cameras. In terms of getting the balance of a full blown VAR and the positivity that will bring, six cameras will cover the vast, vast majority of everything we need and get that balance. Will 12 or 18 help? Yes, possibly, but somewhere in there, the clubs need to make a decision as to what they want. Investment, that's a word I have used already. I think we look going forward in terms of Scottish football and where we currently are. If we stay in the status quo, the noise that we're getting, the feedback, VAR for all intents and purposes is being used by the press and the media already. We must invest in VAR going forward. We've been lucky to be at the forefront of European football, both from a club perspective over the years and from a match officials perspective. We have had referees in the latter stages of major tournaments. And as it stands, we don't have VAR in our domestic league But if you look at appointments across UEFA, VAR is being utilized by Polish referees, Portuguese, Dutch and other guys. If we don't invest, then not only are we not investing in the domestic game, then we're not investing in the international game. Report by Matthew Lindsay. Evening Times Sport, March 3. Rangers James Tavarney given a red card verdict for Stubbs showing. Report by Aidan Smith. The Sky Sports studio was split last night as they examined a challenge by Rangers captain James Tavarney on Ali Crawford. Replays showed that Tavarney won the ball before following through on the St. Johnston midfielder as the Ibrox outfit built an attack. Referee Willie Collum waved play on, despite Crawford being in pain on the floor following the challenge. Rangers' uh, Chris Boyd said on Sky Sports that VAR may have been the referee a decision to make. He explained, I think it's a yellow card. A yellow card would be for it being reckless, but I don't think it's excessive force. I think when you slow everything down, it looks worse. Again, maybe if we get VAR, the referee has a decision to make. James McFadden said, I think he follows through there. The more I see it, I don't think he needs to extend his leg. Saints midfielder David Witherspoon was also in the studio and he added, There is follow through and there is a straight leg there. It looks a nasty one for Ali, but hopefully he is all right because we need as many players fit as possible. Obviously going through a bad spell with injuries. We want everyone fit and ready to go. Report by Aidan Smith. Evening Times Sport, March 3. Van Bronckhurst reveals Rangers pressure coping mechanisms. Report by Christopher Jack. The stream of comment and conjecture is nothing new for Giovanni Van Bronckhurst, but it is in his own mind that, that he listens to as Eyebrook's noise levels continue to increase. In times of success, the adulation at a club like Rangers offers a thrill that is rarely replicated. In moments of strife, the pressure only intensifies on those who carry the burden. Van Bronckhorst finds himself in that very situation right now, as after just three wins out of eight fixtures, Rangers were preparing to face St. Johnson in Premiership action last evening. The deficit to Celtic stands at three points. But the champions are on the back foot in the title race and are now in need of a heroic run to ensure they defend the league flag. The cheers in the aftermath of the draw with Dortmund turned to jeers against the Steelmen on Sunday. And Van Bronckhorst understands as well as anyone the weight of expectation that now rests on the shoulders of he and his players. Van Bronckhorst said, I know the club. I know the feeling of becoming a manager of a big club. It comes with pressure. It comes with questions. So for me, that's what I expected, what I am used to. But for me, the most important thing is to be clear on the path we want to go, how we want to play. I know I am responsible for the tactics, for picking the starting lineup. So I don't need any advice or influence. Of course, people will talk about it in a very good way and also in a very negative way when the results are not there. But I just have to be clear in my head and go on the path. I want to go with my team and with the club. For me, that's the most important thing. Everyone is entitled to comments or criticism. That's also the beauty of football. Everyone has opinions. But in the end, I have to make my decisions how I want to make them. And that's only with my own thinking in mind. The meeting with Motherwell looked like being a potentially defining one for Rangers as they took to the field just minutes after Celtic will herald by Hibs. If the champions don't retain their title, It will go down as one of the key afternoons of the campaign after Van Bronckhorst's side squandered their two-goal lead. It is rare for both sides of the old firm to stumble at the same time. It was undoubtedly an opportunity missed for Rangers. Van Bronckhorst said, That's normal. Every club has its own ambitions, its own goals in the season. It can be from being champions and qualifying for Europe to avoiding relegation. All the teams now with 10 games left will do anything to win those games. That's normal in the season. It's never easy to win games in this league. We have seen that already this season. We just have to continue. And after 38 games, the one that is on top is the champions. It's as simple as that. But we still have games to go, and we are there for the fight. We have to continue. The next tranche of fixtures will determine Rangers' fate. Indeed, they will shape their future given the financial ramifications of success or failure. Defensive issues and individual mistakes have cost the champions points throughout the season and more profoundly since their return from the winter break. But a failure to kill teams off continues to be just as damaging and Van Bronckwurst is confident his staff, including former Holland striker, Roy McKay, can find a cure to their ills. He said, it's quite clear. We are coming into the end of the season and each game is important. In every game, we need to get the three points. We were very disappointed with the draw at the weekend, but it's a new game, a new challenge. It's a job for all of us to make sure we, first of all, create the chances we want to create. Then more importantly, we want to convert the chances into goals. The recent games in the league, we have created a lot of chances but didn't convert as many as we wanted. And that's why we had the draws. It's obviously a point we need to improve. McKay is talking with the players. A lot of finishing on goal in training with the strikers and midfield players. We are looking into images of games. We need to improve that area. So we are working on that. Hopefully we will see a difference. It is not Van Bronckhurst's style to call out his players in public for their performances and references to individuals will only be made in praiseworthy rather than critical terms. A frustrated fan base have pinpointed several stars over the course of the campaign, but the man at the head of the group knows unity will give Rangers their strongest foundations going forward said Van Bronckhurst, it's difficult always when you analyze goals against you, something has gone well or to plan. I think we always know when you're conceding goals that players will get the blame, whose fault it was. But we have to take responsibility as a team and myself as a coach and improve on the areas where we didn't do so well. We need to make the next time we face those moments, we do better. We win as a team and we draw and lose as a team. You don't want to make many errors, but football is a game of mistakes and mistakes will happen at any time. You have to make sure you overcome those mistakes and turn them into goals. Report by Chris Jack Evening Time Sport, March 3. Van Bronckhorst pinpoints Rangers positive after win. Report by Chris Jack. Giovanni Van Bronckhorst admits three points were the main positive to take as Rangers labored to victory over St. Johnston. The champions remain three points adrift of Celtic in the Premiership title race after Glen Camara netted the only goal of the game at McDermott Park. Rangers made the trip to Perth, aiming to end a wretched run of form away from home that had seen them drop points to Aberdeen, Celtic, Ross County and Dundee United since returning from the winter break. Van Bronckhorst's side were far from their best on a difficult pitch but St. Johnston rarely looked like causing an upset after Kamara's third-minute strike. Van Bronckhorst said, Three points in the bag and go home. Sometimes football is like that. This was a very tough game with a lot of duels. There were a lot of long balls, and the pitch wasn't of the standard we want to play our game. So we had to play a little bit differently, and the early goal lifted us. They opened up after that and we had a lot of chances to score in the first half. Morelis hit the post. Scotty had a shot from close range over the bar. In the second half, we didn't give any chances away and we had to fight to win the game. And we did. The early goal was important as they started with five defenders and then changed their system. That made it a little bit easier. It was a good start but as we have seen before, we had many chances again. I think defensively we were very solid and we won our duels. Sometimes a game needs that and this was one of them. If you score a goal and you are very ruthless in your defending, you will win the game. Once again, we could have won by a greater margin, but I am really happy with the points. We needed them. Rangers will now turn their attentions to the visit of Aberdeen this weekend as they attempt to finally build some momentum in their top-flight title defence. And Kamara was fully aware of the importance of victory over St. Johnston as he proved to be an unlikely hero for the light blues. He said, It was a tough game. The pitch took a lot out of us and we are just delighted with the win." We were definitely trying to push for that second goal. We didn't get that, but luckily we had scored the early goal and got the points. An early goal can always give the boys a lift and I was happy to get it. In pre-season I thought I'd get one or two, but that's me got three now. Hopefully I can add a few more. Report by Chris Jack Evening Times Sport March 4. Frank Lampard reflects on Nathan Patterson's Everton debut. Report by Ewan Payton. Frank Lampard has lifted the lid on his decision to substitute Scotland star Nathan Patterson at half time during Everton's win over Boreham Wood in the FA Cup. It was Patterson's first appearance for the Toffees since arriving from Rangers in the summer in a deal believed to be worth around 16 million pound. The 20 year old was deployed in a right wing-back role as Lampard played three centre backs. However, while it was great for the former Gers youngster to finally get his debut for the Premier League club, it didn't go totally to plan as he was subbed off at the break. Richarlison came off the bench with the game goalless. A second half double from Salomon Rondon saw the Goodison Park side into the next round and Lampard stood by his decision to haul off the Scotland cap following the game. Lampard told the Everton Football Club website We paid too slow first half. Borham Wood came here with an idea to stop us playing. And if you play slow, they can stop it. I didn't enjoy that, but a good little viewing for me to see those things and change at half time. Generally, the whole team had a different tempo in the second half and were comfortable in the second half. We wanted an extra player up the pitch who could give them problems, receive the ball and cause them problems. It wasn't necessarily a slam on Nathan Patterson. It's not nice on a debut. I thought he did okay. But from the way we were playing with our wingbacks, I wanted him to break that line, and he wasn't. It allowed them to sit back. So the formation change helped us. Report by Ewan Payton Evening Times Sport March 4 Don Robertson warns abuse is driving new referees out of football. Report by Matthew Lindsay. In the seven years that he has been refereeing in the top flight of Scottish football, Don Robertson has not so much developed a thick skin as grown a rhinoceros hide. The bile that is aimed in his direction from the stands on a Saturday afternoon and the criticism that rains down on him after he blows the final whistle, regardless of how well he has fared, no longer bothers him as much as it did when he started out. Yet Robertson is well aware that younger and less experienced match officials who are operating at a lower level been driven out of football in this country because of the sickening treatment they are so often subjected to on match days and he is optimistic the imminent introduction of var to the Sinch premiership will make their lives as well as his own far easier in future and prevent them from being lost to the sport forever the sfa believe The escalating condemnation of referees following controversial incidents in high profile cup and league matches is having a trickle down effect and is empowering players, coaches and supporters to target their officials with verbal and in some cases, even physical attacks. There are high hopes that introducing modern technology to the decision making process in the Premiership, and it is set to be in place by the middle of next season, will reduce the abuse of match officials from top to bottom. Said Robertson, at grassroots level, there is absolutely a big problem retaining referees. Getting people to come to the class and be interested in becoming a referee is not the hardest part. It is retaining them. After one game, two games or six games, they say, do you know what? This actually isn't for me. It's not that they don't enjoy being out on the field, making decisions or being part of football. It's all the nonsense that they have to put up with, out with that. At the top level, in some ways, you're protected from that. But when you're refereeing amateur football or youth football, you're there, you can smell it, parents or spectators at the sidelines of the pitch. And for some people, it's not worth their time or effort. Football is a sport where that noise will always be there, even with the implementation of VAR. But it might just turn the noise down a little bit because with really clear decisions, we can get them right at a time, and that will calm the situation. Research has shown that referees get 99% of their major divisions correct when VAR is in use, as opposed to 92% when it is not. So it is little wonder that Robertson and his colleagues who have been receiving specialized SFA training in the technology for the past 18 months, are counting the days until it is up and running. He said, we are very much looking forward to it. Referees are the same as players and spectators and want to get as many decisions correct as possible. Everyone now recognizes that VAR is a useful tool in that regard. So from referees, there's no reluctance at all. We are really behind it and we'd like to implement it as soon as we practically can. There is an element of frustration that we can watch European football or English football and VAR is involved. But it's not only in the big countries. Other countries have been quicker to attack VAR than we have. We can see that referees are making similar decisions to those we make in Scotland, but they have VAR to help them. We don't have that second opportunity that VAR allows, but everyone is trying to push the implementation of VAR, and we are getting closer to it finally happening. At the moment, Robertson can sometimes be the one man in a 60,000 capacity crowd who is unaware that he has got something badly wrong. He said, it's horrible. We are in 2022, so there can be a decision on the field that I call incorrectly. And within seconds, viewers at home can see what the decision should have been. And within seconds, spectators in the stadium can see it on their phones. Often you're the only guy in the stadium who doesn't know. VAR is an opportunity to solve that problem. You can get that decision right on the field and it won't be an injustice on the team. Then as a referee, I will not be coming in at the end of the game thinking, I have affected the result of the game by a mistake I have made. The Ryan Kent goal that was disallowed after a VAR check during Rangers win over Borussia Dortmund at Ibrox last week, highlighted that it is not a perfect system and Robertson acknowledges that mistakes will still happen. However, he speaks to match officials in other countries and is confident it will mean the outcomes of matches are no longer decided by errors. He said, I keep in contact with a lot of referees whom I have worked with throughout Europe, who have seen VAR implemented in their leagues. The feedback I have received from a lot of countries is that with VAR, you no longer have the howler, the really clear, obvious, incorrect decision that affects the outcome of the game. That no longer happens with VAR. It doesn't take away a lot of the debate in football. Was it a foul? Was it not a foul? What kind of contact did he make there? But a player being two yards offside and scoring the winning goal with VAR, that doesn't happen. A consequence of that is the decision on the field is correct. The sense of injustice from the team is gone because the decision is made on the field correctly with the use of VAR, then the days of talking about it and the agendas that arises out of addition like that are gone. Report by Matthew Lindsay Evening Times Sport March 7 The Monday kickoff. Malky Mackay deserves all the plaudits. Report by James Morgan Some rare praise for Malky it's frowned upon if you say anything good about Malky Mackay these days, but here goes anyway. In recent weeks, it has become increasingly clear that the job the Ross County manager has been doing in Dingwall is pretty remarkable. County may have flitted with the relegation zone for most of the campaign, but due to the compacted nature, of the tranche of teams between 4th and 10th in the Premiership, the Highlanders have flown up the table with a series of wins in recent weeks. They signed well during the summer, even providing prospective new players with information packs on places to live, eat and see in the Dingwall area. And these new arrivals, alloy to some of those already there, have responded with Loney's Joseph Humbold from Watford and Ash Maynard Brewer from Charlton excelling, particularly while Regan Charles Cook has scored more than some of the supposed biggest-name strikers in Scotland. Such is the nature of the cinch Premiership that County now sit one win off fourth place and a possible European birth next season. Incredible, given the perception that they were struggling a few weeks back. In truth, they have been playing well for most of the season, even when results were going against them. That is testament to Mackay. It is not entirely surprising that the 50-year-old has prospered in the job. His record in the Sky Bet Championship was impressive, winning Manager of the Year in 2013 after taking Cardiff City into the Premier League for the first time to add to an appearance in the League Cup final a season earlier. In private, he is an interesting, engaging individual who knows he made a mistake but who underwent equality and diversity training and yet continues to pay for that error. Of course, the concept of rehabilitation has been a hot topic in Scottish football in light of the ongoing David Goodwillie situation. And there will always be those who have a problem with Mackay. But the two text messages he was ultimately censured for feel very much at the lower end of the scale, especially when compared to someone such as Davey Martindale at Livingston who has been given redemption by fans and authorities alike following a drug dealing conviction. Hoyle should stick to politics. Interesting to note the intervention of Sir Lindsay Hoyle into the row surrounding Josh Taylor's controversial points win over Jack Catterall last week. Catterall is a constituent of Hoyle's in Chorley And the MP expressed his outrage at the result in a tweet last Sunday, which read, it was a disgraceful decision by two of the boxing referees. I will be speaking to the sports minister. The result is a travesty of justice. Fast forward a day and the British Boxing Board of Control announced it was launching an investigation into the fight. Hoyle, of course, doubles as the Speaker of the House. A job he has seemed utterly incapable of performing without resorting to some highly dubious decisions and cock ups of his own. In November, he apologized for wrongly calling a British Asian MP Mohammed during a debate on racism in cricket. Then he had a bigger problem with Ian Blackford calling Boris Johnson a liar in Parliament. Than Johnson actually misleading Parliament itself. There are more. Alas, the list is heading towards the same size as a number of Russian oligarchs who have secreted money into British society over the past two decades. Red Star Warning. Red Star Belgrade warmed up for their Europa League last 16 encounter against Rangers, with a thumping 5-0 victory over Novi Pazar yesterday afternoon. There's not much to read into that, of course. Dejan Stankovic's men have lost just once all season and were 4-0 up after 21 minutes against the team that is rooted to the bottom of the Super Liga table after 26 matches. Former Rangers and Serbia defender Gordon Petric appeared in these pages in recent days, claiming Red Star had little chance against Rangers over the two legs, the first of which is on Thursday night. But one only needs to look at the Serbian side's form to see that there will be no pushovers. They have lost just once in 15 matches and topped a Europa League group containing Braga, Lugo, Goretz, and Michelin, Champions League conquerors of Celtic, to reach this phase. Yes, the expectation is that Van Bronckhurst's side will have too much for Red Star, but they have exited Europe twice in recent seasons at the hands of teams like Rapid Vienna and Slavia Prague, who, on paper at least, have looked inferior. Weary on side. When Alex Neil succeeded Lee Johnson as manager of Sunderland on February 11, the Black Cats sat in fourth place, a mere two points behind the automatic promotion places. Sunderland had been very active during the January transfer window, bringing in a number of high profile players including Jermaine Defoe from Rangers, and the former Celtic winger Patrick Roberts, and Johnson, once of Hearts and Kilmarnock, paid the price for a six nothing defeat at Bolton Wanderers. But since then, it has hardly been a rose garden for Neil, who had been out of work since his sacking by Preston last March. The defeats have dried up, but Sunderland have won just once since the Scot took charge and now find themselves outside the playoff spots and 11 points adrift at the top of the top two. All is not lost, but at a club as neurotic as Sunderland, it would be little surprise if Neil's efforts for the remainder of this campaign will ultimately be in vain. Warden deserves more respect. It took all of an hour for the announcement of Shane Worms death on social media to turn into a commentary on how he was once the boyfriend of Liz Hurley and lavish praise subsequently followed. This is the man who had more than 700 wickets and 3000 tests having his list of greatest achievements reduced to the time he ploughed an English actress. Then there were those debating his vaccination status for some political point scoring. Newsflash, people died prematurely of heart attacks long before COVID. The overwhelming conclusion when venturing online to read comments these days is that more often than not, that those making the observations have been untouched by any kind of personal tragedy themselves. There is nothing wrong with a bit of levity, when it comes to death, of course, but it seems that the times when the demise of a sportsman or woman was greeted with the kind of respect it deserved are long gone. 5. The number of games without a win at the Tony Macaronius Stadium that Celtic ended falling victory over Livingstone yesterday It is one of the peculiarities of modern football that no matter the years that pass or the change in personnel, teams have droughts for inexplicable reasons against particular foes. Psychological factors can be the greatest opponent a player or team can face in any given match, but this Celtic team seems to be made of sterner stuff, says James Morgan.
0: And that was this week's Glasgow Times Sport podcast, normally recorded in our studio at the Bishop Briggs Media Centre, currently recorded from our volunteers' homes with the publisher's kind permission. Thanks for listening.